I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is our focus this morning. We begin a brand new series today called Creature of Habit, where we are talking about or identifying how God helps us to change our old ways, how he helps us to walk in a practical way, this calling that he has placed on you and I to be his sons and daughters. And as I was thinking about today's message, as I was thinking about the series in general, I was reminded of the fact that usually the first Sunday of the year, or at least toward the first Sunday of the, uh, first the day of the new year, one of the things that people tend to do is, or we talk about is resolutions. How many of you have ever, you've ever written up resolutions before, at least once, even if it's just once? I've, I've written resolutions many times, and of course, you know, early on in my life, when I first started writing resolutions, that was kind of the adult thing to do. Wow, it's the adults that write resolutions, right? Um, and of course, I would write these resolutions, and half the time I would lose the piece of paper that I wrote them on, so I didn't remember what I wrote. Um, and even if I did remember, um, you know, there, there, were, there would always be occasions where I would look at certain, res- certain goals I had for the year and, and be disappointed that I didn't fulfill them. Um, one of the things that I've, of course, learned with resolutions is that resolutions, in a sense, are really based on our own, our own mostly, I would say, not always, but I think mostly based on our own uh, perception of what we think we can accomplish or what we can do, right? Many times resolutions involve us wanting to stop doing certain things, want to start doing certain things, and, and usually at the end of the year, who knows, maybe we do this because we are unhappy with some of the results, but there's a tendency to kind of set aside those resolutions and to just kind of just take it, it one day at a time and just figure, well, whatever happens, each day happens. Um, I want us to focus today not on this idea of resolution, but I want us to focus on the idea of, 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 of embracing the opportunity that God gives us in the new year to go deeper in our relationship with him, to go further in our relationship with him, to grow, to mature in our relationship. As you've heard me say many times, I'll say it again, we are all a work in progress. We've not arrived. Um, you know, I'm grateful for what God has done in my life, but there is still so much more that God needs to do. And I'll be the first to admit that this morning. And I'm grateful that God is not uh, in a hurry in the sense of, he, he wants to accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished in my life in the span of one year. Um, but that every day as I present myself to the Lord, as Paul invites us to, as a living sacrifice, that I'm saying, God, whatever in me needs to change, God, have your way. Reveal it to me, but God, have your way. And it's not so much that I'm saying, God, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, as if it is in my own strength of power to make those things happen. But that I'm saying, God, with your help, that the changes that you want to bring about in my life, I am on board with those changes and I desire for those changes to become a reality. But, but I need us to understand this morning that in order for us to grow or to go deeper or to go further than we've gone before in our walk with the Lord, that it, it goes beyond simply um, breaking bad habits and embracing new habits. It goes beyond that so much in a much deeper way. And I was doing a little bit of research. There was a psychologist by the name of Timothy Pikehill, I think is how you pronounce his name. He wrote an article in the Science Alert magazine back in 2018. And this is what he describes. He's talking about this struggle that tends to occur in most everybody's mind and heart when it comes to breaking old habits or bad habits and embracing new habits. And this is what he describes it as. He says, breaking a habit means establishing a new habit, a new prepotent response. The old habit or pattern of responding is still there, 
but it is less dominant. So he, he presents this idea that, and the gist of the article he was writing is this, that um, in order for us to break bad habits, we have to identify good habits, right? And the good habits we identify must be habits that are, in and of themselves, stronger, more powerful, more effective in our lives in bringing the results that we desire to see in our lives than if we were to keep holding on to these bad habits. He says that it's not enough to simply stop doing something, you have to replace it with something else. You can't just simply say, I'm going to stop drinking Coke. That's one of my goals. I'm going to stop drinking Coke. But then I don't find something that is realistic to help me wean off of my, I want to say addiction, but my struggle with Coke. If I just say, well, I'm just going to start drinking water, within a week I'm going to go back to drinking Coke. So it's not enough to just simply break one habit. You have to replace it with something else. Now there's an interesting... Um, there's an interesting uh, thought that, that the Apostle Paul presents to us in the scripture we're about to read, where he's addressing believers, all right? Now, it's important when we're reading the scriptures that we understand who the author is addressing. Um, because when we understand the context of, of what is being said, it helps us to know how to properly apply it. So, in the scripture we're about to read, we're going to see the Apostle Paul address believers. And he's, he's not speaking to these believers as if they are... Uh, lost or that they are not in Christ or that they're just in the world but what he does is he in addressing the need for growth the need for them to go deeper further in their relationship with God that he helps them to point out those areas in their lives that need to that need to die the, the habits that need to end but notice that he doesn't just tell them stop doing this but he offers them alternatives and he says start doing this. So I want, you to, I want us to read together our text this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17-24. And in this, we're going to discover the Apostle Paul making this point that if you and I are to break free from... And again, we're not just simply talking about habits, friends. We're talking about the things that, that get in the way of our relationship with God and our ability to go deep in our relationship with God. That our ability to break free from those will require that we begin to apply what I call Christ-honoring practices. If we're to break sinful, self-centered, selfish habits that, are, that, that, that oppose God's will for our lives, that oppose God's purpose for our lives, then we must replace those with Christ-honoring practices. So here's what Paul says, beginning in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. Why? Because they are darkening their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, Paul says, however, is not the way he says you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So the Apostle Paul is saying to you and I, that because we are in Christ, that there is meant to be a marked difference between us and those who are not in Christ. 
And again, it's not that we, are, we, we come to a place where we present ourselves to the world as if we are the picture of perfection. No. But that when the world sees us, what they see is that we are making progress in our relationship with the Lord, that we're making progress in our walk with Christ, that we are not who we were yesterday or a year ago, and that who we are tomorrow is not going to be the same as who we are today, that, that with each step we take with the Lord, that we are growing in our relationship with Christ, we're becoming more and more like Him, and in the process, those habits, those struggles, those self-centered um, you know, appetites that, that our flesh is constantly craving to be satisfied, remember we talked about, the, the, the Bible talks about the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, our flesh is constantly craving to be, to be, to be catered to, to be, to be satisfied, and it only seeks satisfaction in the things of this world it does not seek satisfaction in the things of God that's our flesh I'm talking about and so we must learn to 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 understand how we are to put um, our flesh in its proper place not give it the attention that it seeks but instead to be in tune with the Spirit of God and to allow the Spirit of God to help us to bring our flesh under control so that we are able to live God's live out God's plan for our lives so we're going to see the first point this morning, talking about how we are to break bad, sinful, sinful uh, uh, self-centered habits by embracing Christ's honoring uh, practices. We're going to see the Apostle Paul tell us this morning, or show us this morning, that in order to do so, we must allow the truth of God's Word to take root in us. When, when we talk about the Word of God taking root, it is more than just simply reading the Word just to, just to read it. I learned a long time ago that the Bible is not a book of Bible stories. It's not a, it's not a book of cool sayings. It, it is life for, for whoever um, engages the Word and, and applies themselves to the study of the Word and, and does what the Word teaches. It is life for us. And so when we talk about the, allowing the Word of God to take root in us, what we are simply saying is this, that we must understand that if we are to truly walk with Christ as we are called to, then we cannot embrace anything that impugns or that denies His name or character. And that's why we need the Word. Because it is the Word that helps us to know the truth about who He is. It is the Word that helps us to know what He loves and what He hates. It is the Word that lets us know what His purpose is for our lives, what He's called us to do, the impact it's called us to have in the world we live in today. It is the word that we, you and I need in order for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And if we are to grow or go further, then that word needs to take root in our lives. If we have a distorted, perverted view of God, friends, then our response to Him will be distorted and it will be perverted. And here's the thing, friends. You and I cannot come to God on our own terms. We come on His. So if we are not allowing the word to take root in our own lives, then how can we expect to respond to God as we're supposed to? In this new year, I challenge you to allow the word to take root in your life because truth matters. Truth, it matters. John 8, 32, Jesus said, Knowing the truth regarding salvation will set us free from the penalty of sin. When we know the truth, not your version of the truth, not somebody else's version of the truth. There is only one truth. When we know the truth, we find freedom. The world wants us to believe that when we, know, when we come to know truth, that, the, that what truth does is it restricts us. It keeps us back. It holds us back. It, 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 it's a cosmic killjoy. No, that's not the case, friends. God knows what is best for us. 
And he knows that, that, that whatever may seem like it may provide a temporary pleasure in the moment is actually in the long term going to destroy you. And he does not want to go, us to go in that path. And so he brings his word to bear in our hearts and our lives. When the soil of our hearts and our minds is cultivated with the life-given seed of God's word, there will be no room for life-draining weeds that try to take root and flourish in our lives. We all need to be asking ourselves, what am I giving attention to? What am I giving my time to? What am I giving my focus to? What is shaping my worldview? Because it's not enough for us to simply come to church. This is the easy part, friends. It is when we leave this place that the rubber meets the road. And, and the question of what do you truly believe is challenged. We need to allow the word of God to take root in our lives. There are too many believers that have allowed the world to, to infiltrate our minds. What, what the world presents sounds good, it sounds pleasing on the surface, but when you dig deep, and that's what we many times fail to do, we do not dig deep. But when you dig deep, you discover that it is, it is based on, on self, it is dependent on self, it is focused on self. And yet everything about God calls you and I to focus on Him, to look to Him, to turn to Him, to depend on Him. Psalm 119 verse 11, one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures, the psalmist said, I have thought, and I'm reading from the Living Bible Translation, it says, I have thought much about your words, and he says, I have stored them. Everybody say store them. I have stored them in my heart, and here's the reason why, so that they would hold me back from sin. And that's a good thing. To me, I, I like to look at sin as that open flame. I remember my mother is here this morning with us in service. I'm so grateful that my mom came to spend Sunday with us. I remember when I was growing up, I'm sure my mom remembers this. When I was a kid growing up, I was very fascinated with fire. I would see a flame and I wouldn't touch it. To me, it blew men, it was cold, <laughs> right? And my mom would always say to us, no, you touch it, you're, you're gonna get hurt. And, and, and the reality was, you know, I, 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 look, at, I look at her words as, uh, in a sense, a restraint. Not to keep me from doing what I want to do, but to keep me from what will harm me. And the psalmist says that when you and I store God's word in our hearts, when we allow God's word to take root in our hearts, what it does is it keeps us restrained. Not to, not to, not to, not to limit us, but to, but to allow us to experience the freedom that comes from living God's will. But we must understand the importance of storing that word in our hearts. So I challenge you this, this, this year. This is the first day of, of 2023. If you've not been consistently reading the word, start now. Um, if you've not been consistent in, in, in giving time to meditate on the word and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and, to, and to wrestle with the scripture, don't just read it, but wrestle with the scripture. Ask the questions, God, what are you saying to me? God, what do, what do you want me to take away from this verse uh, or from this set of scriptures that I'm reading? God, how, how, how does it apply to, 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 the, to the journey that I'm on today and the life that you've called me to live? And we wrestle with the scriptures and we allow the Holy Spirit to help us to chew as a word, the word of God, so that we're able to be equipped to live out his word. Friends, our ability to shut out those old habits, those sinful, selfish, focused habit, habits will only happen when we allow God's word to take root in our lives. Again, it is about embracing Christ-honoring practices in order to break those old, selfish, sinful habits. But not only that, we need to also prioritize pleasing Christ over gratifying the flesh. Notice what Paul says in verse 22. Paul makes the statement that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Paul paints for us this picture of our flesh and, it's, and he, he, he gives this impression not that our flesh is corrupted and that, that well, it, it'll, never, it, it'll never keep getting worse and worse. Here's the difference. Human nature never gets better. Do you realize that when you look back in history, human nature has not gotten better? Human nature is getting worse. And, and that's, just, that's, that's just the nature of, of a sin-corrupted life. Human nature gets worse. I mean, you know, sin finds greater ways to express itself. And, and, and so, you know, Paul paints first this picture of this flesh that is constantly seeking to be satisfied and gratified and, and, and it, it never craves anything that is good. It's always seeking worse and worse things. And so our priority, if we are to break those old sinful selfish habits and embrace Christ's honor and practices, is to prioritize pleasing Jesus over just giving into what our flesh wants. Always remember that there is no enduring benefit to pleasing your flesh above pleasing God. You may get a temporary pleasure or satisfaction from doing what you want to do because that's what you want to do. But trust me, you're going to pay because sin always brings back a bill. And, and you know, I, I pray and, and I make this statement not, not to suggest that, that we should indulge, hoping that, that somehow God will then come back and rescue or keep us from dealing with the consequence of sin. But I pray that you never get to a place where, you, where, 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 you, where, you, where sin brings a bill you cannot pay. Because you gave yourself over to a decision or a choice, you, you, you ignored the consequence, you ignored the one in the Holy Spirit, and then now you're having to deal with the consequence. I pray we never get to that place ever. I pray that we're always in the mindset of, God, I want to please you. That God, I realize that this flesh, what it craves, what it desires, is not, it's not good. It, you know, it, it's, it's like, again, that example of wanting to touch a fire. Yeah, the flame looks captivating. It looks mysterious. I mean, the fact that it's blue makes me think it, it must be freezing cold and I want to put my hand on it, right? But here's the reality. When I do so, it's going to burn me. It's going to burn. And it's going to hurt. And we need, to, we need to realize that there is nothing good to be gained from gratifying our flesh. Notice what Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 6. He says this. He says, our mind is always set on the flesh. And the result is death. The mind that is always set on the flesh results in death. Here's what I've learned and I'm grateful for this morning. When Jesus came to the earth and he ultimately gave his life on the cross. And of course he has gone back to the Father and he's preparing a place for us and he's coming back for his church. One thing you never see is that he ever talked about rehabilitating behavior. He never talked about just dealing with the outside. He was always about the heart. That's why he always got into quarrels with the Pharisees and Sadducees because they missed the point. They thought he was only, unlike them, who were only focused on the outward, he was focused on the heart. He wanted them to understand that, guys, at the, 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 at the core of the issue that you're having is this inability to recognize that, that you are in the name of pleasing God. You're actually pleasing your flesh. And it is easy for us, even us as believers, to, to get it mixed up where we begin to think that somehow doing what we think we want to do is somehow God's will for us. We need to learn the difference. Christ didn't come to rehabilitate my flesh or reform my behavior. He came to renew a right spirit within you and I. When we became born again, he gave us a new spirit, a new nature. That's why the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, all things become new. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that merely we, uh, we, we are perfect, we are sinless, we never do anything wrong going forward. Again, not to excuse or to justify or to somehow suggest that it's okay. 
But what he suggests is that God's desire in bringing us into a relationship with him is that so he might renew us from within. When my heart is transformed, it'll express itself on the outside. When I, when I gave my, my heart to Christ, many of my friends, many of my, my peers thought it was, it was an emotional thing. Oh, he's going to come back. He's going to come around. And, and, and you know, I, it got to a point where I got tired of having to tell them, no, guys, it's different. It's different. I figured you know, in time you will see. And I'm grateful that, that in the course of a relationship with the Lord, that, as the Holy Spirit began to work in my heart, that they began to see that there was, there was truly a change that had taken place. What the world needs to see is not just a, a, a people who are, who are only able to just change outward behavior, but that they see the hearts that transform. Why? Because we are in relationship with Christ. Because really, it is only a relationship with Christ that can change a person's heart. It is not fixing our behavior. It is not simply you know, coming up with a list of new things we want to start to do and stop, or stop doing. It's about recognizing that the ability to live for God hinges on our willingness to say, God, I exist to please you, and I believe that it is only by your power that I'm able to do so. Here's the last point I want to share with you this morning. As we talk about how we are to break away from old habits and embrace Christ-honoring practices, and I think this is very, very key, is that we must regard our lives as an extension of Christ rather than see him as an accessory to ours. Regard your life as an extension of Jesus Christ and not just see Christ as an accessory to your life. Too many, of, too many Christians act as if Christ is, is an accessory. We, we put on Christ like we put on our, 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 our favorite clothes, or our favorite shoes, or our favorite bag. I mean, we, we act as if Christ is only to be taken to places or situations you know, where we feel like he, he's a proper fit. Where, whereas Christ's desire is to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And, and again, not that he wants to be an accessory, but he wants, to be, he wants us to be an extension of him in the sense that when the world sees us, who do they see? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. That when your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, when they see you, they see Christ. Again, they don't see perfection. That's not the goal. We're not, we're not simply saying, well, let's, let's do our best to be perfect. Let's do our best to, 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 to live as perfect as we can. No, that's not the goal. But what they need to see is that Christ is in you and I and that he's transforming us. And that just as he's transforming us and making us more and more like himself, that he can do the same in others as well. Paul said in Ephesians 4.24 that in addition to ridding ourselves of the old self, in addition to being renewed in our minds, he says we must also put on this, this illustration of, of putting on a garment. Put on the new self. Because for Paul, he was focused on a believer having an accurate identity or an accurate sense of who they are. That is, that we see ourselves and how others see us is consistent with who God is making us to be. Think about when you first came to Christ and think about your life today. And I'm sure you will, you will say, Pastor John, I've grown. I'm not who I used to be before. God has changed my life in so many radical ways. And I'm grateful for the change he's brought about. But how did that happen? Did that happen simply because you just started to do good? Did that happen because you just started to make right decisions and right choices? No, it was because you recognized the importance of putting on Christ and making your identity wrapped up in who he is. Too often we live as if Christ exists for us rather than that we exist for him. Too often we treat our relationship with him as if it's only when we need something from him that we engage him. We don't give our attention to him. We scarcely give time for him to guide us. We don't talk to him unless we need something. We don't even talk about him to others. God's goal in bringing you and I into a relationship with him is so that he might increasingly align us 
with his priority of conforming us to the image of his son. Why? Because for God, our thoughts, our words, and our actions are meant to be an expression of who Jesus is. And meant to be an expression of Christ working in you. That again, when the world sees you, they see this person knows Jesus. You realize that when the term when the term Christian started to be used, it wasn't the believers that gave themselves that name Christian. It was unbelievers that gave themselves that, that that gave them that name Christian. Why? Because they saw that these men and women were living out the teachings of Christ. Isn't what a powerful witness that an unbeliever sees you and they can tell that you know Jesus. That they can tell that you identify with Christ, not because you're you you grab a bullhorn and you're you're yelling, I'm a Christian. No, but they see your life, they see your walk, and they see that you are wrapped up in who Christ is, that your identity is defined by who he is. That it's not about me and Jesus and, 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 and I'm relationship with Christ and, and he does what I want. No, no, I do what he wants. I become who he wants because I'm an extension of him. Again, in this new year, my prayer is that our witness will, will go to another level. That, 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 that people around us who do not know Christ, that will be introduced to Christ in a radical way because they see him in us. And, and friends, can I tell you this morning, for that to happen, that's going to require that we die to having things go our way. And that we say, God, use me. Use me. Because I want to live for you. When we understand that our lives are enclosed or wrapped up in who Christ is, we will always appraise everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that we do, by how it represents Christ. When we understand that our lives are defined by who He is, everything about us will always be filtered through the perspective of how does Christ, how does this represent Jesus? So again, consider your words, your actions, your thoughts, your attitudes whether to a fellow believer or whether to someone who is not in Christ, what does it say about who Jesus is? Are you an extension of Christ? Or is he simply an accessory? Where Monday through Saturday, he's not in the picture, you're in charge, but come Sunday, oh, bless God, I'm going to serve Jesus today. He's not satisfied with that. He wants us to be committed to him every single day. See yourself as an extension of Christ, not him as an accessory to yours. If we are to go deeper, if we are to go further in our relationship with the Lord, if we are to break those, those habits that are focused on flesh, self, it's going it to require us embracing Christ on your principles, guys. And I believe we can do that. Again, not in our strength, power, wisdom, because left to ourselves, we can't. But when we commit ourselves to the Lord and we say, God, I believe that you have great things that you want to do in my life and through my life. And God, I'm on board. I want it. I want it. I'm not in a hurry, God. You take your time. But God, I know you're going to do what you want to do. And I'm ready for you to do it. And God, that's God's invitation, I believe, to all of us this morning. But I want to especially say, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'll tell you this, the most important decision that you can ever make is a decision to follow Jesus. April 12, 1994 was the day that I did that. I grew up going to church, grateful for parents who recognized the importance of taking their kids to church, taking their kids to the house of the Lord. But for a long time, I did not have a relationship with Christ. And it was nothing that my parents could wish, me, wish on me or make me, make me do. I had to choose it. I had to embrace, I had to recognize the need for a relationship with Christ. And I'm grateful 
that, that the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the reality that I needed, I needed God. And, and I'm grateful he's changed my life in, 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 in more ways than I can even describe. But is he done with me? Heavens, no. <laughs> I'm grateful because there's so much that God wants to do in my life. Every day I'm reminded, you're a work in progress. <laughs> God is still working. And I welcome what he wants to do. So if you're here this morning and say, Pastor John, I don't have a relationship with Christ, but I want a relationship. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. I want to know him personally. I want him to change my life. I want him to make a difference in my life. And I want him to make a difference through my life. That when people see me, they see Christ. They see the difference he's made in my life. I, I, want, I, want, to be, I want to be a blessing to, to my brothers and sisters in the sense that I'm able to encourage and to build up and to support and to strengthen. I, 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 want, I want to be someone that God can use so that everywhere I go, whomever I encounter, no matter what their, 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 their state or status or condition is, but that I can be a blessing to them however God wants me to. And that happens, that begins by just making a simple decision to say, Jesus, I, I, want, I want a relationship with you. And as I said, you can do that this morning. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, we'd like to pray and ask God's blessing over the word, especially in this brand new year. With so much opportunity before us, that, that in, in, in identifying those things in our lives, the things the Holy Spirit has revealed to us that need to change, that need to go, that we're not efforting to bring about that change in our own strength, but that we're willing to say, God, I can't do this, but I know you can. And that we, on our part, commit ourselves to these Christ-honoring practices that I shared with you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for the invitation that it presents to us, Lord, to choose which way we will go. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for inviting us into a relationship, a daily relationship with you. A relationship, Lord, that changes us from within and helps us to become more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, thank you that in this new year, Lord, it is your desire, Father God, that those areas in our lives that you desire to work in, Father, that you desire to work on, that God would fully embrace, Lord, your purpose, Lord, in, the, in this new year, and that God would, we would be willing to allow you to have your way in our hearts. God, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters here today, God, that you would help us, Lord, in this year to, to grow. Help us to go deeper. Help us to go farther. Help us to do greater for you, Father. And God, that you would do greater things in us, Lord. And that all of it, Father, will be to the glory of your holy name. That God, as we, as we identify those things in our lives that, that, that your spirit is telling us needs to change, that God, we would embrace the change that you are willing to bring. And that God, we would celebrate, Father God, that growth that you're going to make happen every single day. That God, at the end of this year, Lord willing, we will look back and we'll be able to say, thank you, Father, I've grown, I've grown in 2023. You've, you've taught me great lessons that have strengthened my faith in 2023. You've, 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 you've taken me through, through situations and you've brought me through struggles that, 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 but for your grace, I would not have made it through. But yet, Father, in, in bringing me through, you strengthened me, Lord. God, this would, be, this, would be, this would be our testimony this year, Father, in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray if there's anyone that is here who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God, thank you because the word invites us, Lord, to confess our sins and to acknowledge that, Lord, it is our sin that put Christ on the cross and that when he died, he died to pay the penalty that, that we could not afford to pay. 
And that because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the promise of eternal life, abundant life, because we place our hope in Him and in His finished work on the cross. Thank you that God, even in this moment, Lord, for whomever that may be who is calling on your name, that God, you are saving them, Father. And thank you, God, for new life. Thank you for a changed life. Thank you, Father, for a maturing life. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And again, I just want to encourage us in this new year.